Before we get started, I just wanted to give you guys a heads up that this recording is not as high quality as our content normally is. We had a technology issue with our primary recording devices where they did not pick up this episode at all. So we ended up using our backup recording. The good news is the episode is here um, and it is available and it has some great content, including a review of the Eberron setting at the end of the adventure. However, the audio quality is a little bit touch and go in spots. And again, just not up to the quality that you're used to. So we do apologize for that, um, but we're working on getting higher quality backups in the future in case something like this happens again. And um, our next episode, you'll notice, sounds a lot different and is kind of back to our normal settings and level of quality. We hope you enjoy the episode. Since times before history, we've been gathering around our fires to tell stories. Join us as we play through multiple role-playing game systems, looking for one that's the perfect fit for our next campaign, and hopefully showing you some options that are out there for your own games. Welcome to the Fireside Stories. All right, so last time, Deke led you through the deep tunnels of Kyber's Gate to his master, who is apparently a Rakshasa. Right. And when he brings you to the portal, to the door, you see inside a Rakshasa that looks pretty ragged, relatively weak. Um, it looks like for m- multiple days, the beast has been putting all of its energy into summoning forth this tear, this portal into uh, the demonic plane. Ooh. So I, I was, uh, I have a note for myself from last time that for next time I'm going to drink my potion of cloud dry- giant strength. So. Um, I feel like when I saw this guy, that that's like I'd, I'd see this and I'd be like, oh, oh hell not! I'd be like, boop, out of my. Go, go, go. <laughs> so basically, the rakshasa would suck at you, and it's in its natural state, which is not very common to see. Um, you know, and it does it does its little monologue thing. It tells you that you're not going to stop it that its master will be brought forth into this plane and that its plan has been too carefully crafted to be thwarted by the likes of you. And meanwhile, like while he's going through his little speech, you're just like, whoop, whoop, whoop. <laughs> <laughs> like holding the, holding the finger up and chugging this potion. <laughs> All right. Let's go ahead and roll initiative. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go old school. Oh, man. So I think it's unlikely that I am going to go first because I rolled two. Uh, total? Yes. Okay. And you'll not go first. Yeah, I'm, I don't get to go first. You rolled very low, but it wasn't that low. All right. So, Rakshasa rushes forward. And you see it almost in slow motion. 
as these giant clawed hands come towards you. Let's see. Is there a way in D&D Beyond that I can drink my potion? Or I just have to kind of know that my strength score is 27? Yeah, you have to know that. For the next hour. Right, what's your AC again? My AC is 11. Right, so both of these attacks are going to hit. You need more D4s. You need, you need some, you need some D4s? No, I got enough. That would be 21 slashing damage. Yikes. Okay. And as its claws extend and tear through your clothing and your flesh, you feel this sense of dread, like, wash through you. Okay. What would you like to do? Um, hmm. So he, he came up and kind of like attacked me in, in some way. Like, okay. So he is in, um, like melee range of me, but, uh, you said he was kind of, um, desiccated a little bit, like kind of ascetic looking from his you know efforts his recent efforts yeah i mean he looks like like remember back in the day when you would go into work at your tech support sort of job and like no one was there and you realized because like halo had come out that day or something (laughs) and then the next time you saw your friends probably at least three days later they had like dark circles and like we're all skinny fat you know because they've just been living off cheetos and pop tarts and probably no water looks like that okay so i feel um the like surge of strength flowing through me from the uh potion that i drank Mm -hmm. is that could that be does this sound right? Oh, yeah. You feel it. So I think that's going to kind of fuel a reaction that maybe I wouldn't normally have have had to that sort of attack. So rather than, like, you know, um, use a spell or something like that, I'm just going to react and, like, shove him away from me with all of my strength. Okay. We'll go ahead and do a contested strength check then. All right. Here we go. We're hoping for a happier result than initiative, by the way. <laughs> I doubled my previous roll, so. But that's a total of 12. <laughs> Which ends up being higher than his roll. So you are able to shove him back. Uh, I'd say probably about 10 feet. Okay. And he's probably, I mean, you know, cool. I mean, I'm going to be honest. I kind of just wanted to see what would happen. <laughs> all right, anything else? Uh, no, that's that's all I got right now. I mean, I could, I could, you know, talk to him or whatever, but I can't actually do anything. So, yeah, no, nah, no, nah, not yet. Not right now. All right. So he regains his footing. And hits you with his claws once more. It's 24 slashing damage. 
Okay. That is rough. I am tore up. Okay. So let's look at my seventh level spell, if I recall correctly. I took power word pain. Yeah, I did. <laughs> okay. All right, cool. Yeah, well, I'm not gonna... I'm not gonna blow that quite yet, but that will come in handy. Instead, let's get this dude away from me. Okay. And hang on. Let me see what my range is on power word pain. Come on now. I mean to cast it. Range 60 feet. Okay. Cool. Don't forget you have your new items as well. Yeah, I have those all equipped. Um, I do have plus one to cold damage right now uh, because of that. Uh, but I don't know that there are any that are necessarily... Um, relevant to what I'm trying to put together here. But, uh, so the first thing I'm gonna do is get some range from this dude. And I'm gonna do that by casting Scatter okay. on him. And sweet, it is a wisdom saving throw with uh, an 18 difficulty. He does not make it. So the air quivers around the creature of my choice that I can see within the range of 30 feet and is teleported to an unoccupied space that I can see within 120 feet of me. So what am I working with here? in terms of range because i feel like i would kind of want to go hmm, maybe not 120 maybe 90 feet okay. maybe i should go with a full 120. Hmm, i don't know because if he moves towards me at 30 then that means i can move towards him at 30. he could also double move towards me like run, and that would put him back in range of other spells. So, yeah, I'd like to go the whole 120 if I could. I like how you say everyone moves 30. I do. Maybe he moves 60. But that's why I'm saying I should play it safe because I don't know. I didn't make a nature roll, you know what I mean? I don't know how fast Rakshasa move. Maybe their movement's 120. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe he has spells. Maybe he can blink back or whatever, True. you know? I'll play it safe, and, and, and if I can, go the full buck 20. If not, then, you know, I'll do what I can do. All right, so, so you're standing just inside the doorway to this ruined cavernous area that he's using for his ritual. But the area beyond that is pretty vast. It's not really a kind of set built room. So you certainly have a lot of space to work with if you wanted to blink in that full distance. Okay. Yeah, I, I definitely do want to uh, 
to scatter him to the four winds and uh, teleport him 120 feet right. away. Anything in particular you're looking for as far as a type of location or anything like that? Well, it has to be on the ground or on a floor. But if there are any obstacles that I could put between him and me that would make it difficult for him to get back to melee range, then I would like to take that into consideration. You know, if there's like a a, a ledge kind of up high, you know, that he would have to like hop down from or something like that, you know then cool you know um if there's on the other side of some rubble that he would have to go around like you know it's anything like that is something i would make the split second decision to like yeah okay over there right so you choose an area 120 feet away that between you and that space there are a number of areas where the terrain looks especially difficult there is fallen over bits of rock and fallen down bits of cavern ceiling and things like that. Um, so you definitely pick a spot that looks like, I mean, there's no ledge or anything like that, but definitely a little bit more difficult to, to get over or around. Okay. All right. Anything else? Mm, that's all I got for now. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready to talk to this dude just yet. All right. So the Rakshasa reappears in the location of your choosing and kind of looks around confused for a moment. Um, you can see that the ritual has taken its toll and so it takes him kind of a moment to really get his senses together. Um, and seeing where you are and looking at you and the terrain between, you see him begin to make some familiar hand gestures. Uh-oh. Okay. And then you see his feet lift off the ground, and he begins to fly quite quickly towards you. <laughs> he is now 60 feet away. Okay. Cool. All right. What would you like to do? Um, well, let's see if we can slow him down. Let's try this. Um, I'm going to start off with Ray of Frost. Okay. This cantrip here. So uh, let's see if I can nail him with a Iron Man repulsor beam from my palm. That is a frigid beam of blue-white light. <laughs> okay, that's a crit. Nat 20, boys and girls. All right, awesome. So you're going to take the dice you would normally roll. Mm -hmm. You're going to double those dice and roll it and then add any relevant modifiers if there are any. Double roll plus normal modifiers? Yes. Don't double your modifiers. Okay. So for Ray of Frost at 13th level, which uses 11th level, that's 3d8. So I'm going to use 6d8, but I don't have three out right now. So I'm going to do three and three, okay? All right, 12, 16. Five, six. All right, and 
are no modifiers on this cantrip. It's just dice roll. But you have a plus one, right? Uh, yes. Because it is a cold spell. Mm -hmm. Right. So that is 20, 23. Okay. And um, the speed is reduced by 10 feet until the start of my next turn. Okay. All right. I'm going to roll something for him. All right. So, as the shockingly bright bolt of whitish blue cold energy strikes the rock shafts, you can see in his weakened state that it catches him off guard and breaks his concentration, and he falls roughly to the rubble below. Okay. Wow. That worked. Right. I, I feel like Nariah would be unable to su suppress a triumphant... Ha! <laughs> Laugh not, creature. All right. Um, would you like to do anything else before it's his turn? Uh, that's all I got, because I can only cast one spell per turn. All right. Uh, do I need an action to make a nature check? No, you can... To but just, it wouldn't be a nature check if you're. Let me know what you're trying to do. That's the role you want to make. That is uh, very good advice. Thank you, and you're absolutely right. So, my apologies. Um, I mean, unless you're trying to examine the cavern or something. No, no, no. I, I need to tell you what I'm trying to do, and you tell me what to roll. You're, you're, you're right. Sure, you exactly, ex exactly. What? <laughs> that's that's my bad. It's, <laughs> Let's just read read it into the record. That was my bad. Sorry about that. Um, I'm trying to determine, uh, not to be too crunch about it, but his hit points. I need to know where he's at as, as close as possible because I have one chance to cast Power Word Pain on him. And if he doesn't have fewer than 100 hit points, it fizzles. So, oh, Okay. Um, so that sort of information specifically would probably be a medicine check. Okay, cool. I thought so. Um, you know, I am mad at that because my medicine and my nature are the same in terms of, you know, uh, bonus. So anyway, uh, I'd like to start trying to figure that out as soon as I can, because I'm going to have to keep an eye on it because I'm looking for an opportunity. You know okay. what I mean? Sure. To cast this effectively, and I know, and it's current hit points that have to be below that total. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. Just making sure. No, because yeah, I don't know. That's a fair question. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, yeah, if the target has one hundred hit points or fewer, it is subject to crippling pain. Otherwise, the spell has no effect on it. Okay. So I gotta, I gotta figure that out. So I don't know if I can do that before I end my turn. Yeah. Or... All right, okay, cool. Good. So try uh, medicine, mm -hmm. you said. All right, here we go. Uh, Twelve. You know that Rakshasa are very powerful, and they can be quite hale and hearty. Uh-huh. 
but at this distance, um, with this movement and your paltry knowledge of medicine, it's hard for you to know exactly how healthy this creature is. Roger. Okay. Got it. How many, what's your max hit points? My max is 119. Okay. Which is why it came onto my radar, right? Okay. So I'm like, if he's at least my level, you know, mm -hmm. or more. So, so there's I that. I would say with your role, you think he definitely does not look as healthy as you are when you are well rested. <laughs> okay. All right. I mean, you know, that's good to know. I'm going to have to poke him a couple more times. Now, here's the other thing, though. Um, he fell to the ground. How far away is he right now? 60 feet. Okay. So um, all I did was cast this spell, right? I can still, like, move away from him. Yeah. You know? Uh, so I would like to move away from him to, like, I'm trying to kite him a little bit here. All right. So, so out of the doorway? You know, back towards Deke in the tunnels? Uh, no, I need to keep him in this open area to kite him. So I might need to like... So like kind of uh, rushing in and towards a corner away from him sort of thing? Yes. Okay. Gotcha. Because I need room to maneuver. And if I'm in a hallway, I'm at a disadvantage. And do you move at 30? Is that what you assume everyone does? I don't assume everyone moves at 30 because I move at 30. <laughs> I assume everyone moves at 30 because that's like your standard movement speed for a medium creature. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> this isn't, this is, <laughs> I know it doesn't, it doesn't sound like it. No, it's just, <laughs> I'm sizest. I know it sounds like it, but this isn't my first rodeo. Like, you know, I've played like a lot of races and like, Characters. I won't say I played a lot of classes because that's, that's not, not true. Because <laughs> you know I tend to you know play play the same class so like rogue, barbarian, ranger. You know, and I'm branching out here. But the race is the same. Like not the same. The race is is diverse amongst all these classes, and I play um, you know different races, and they all have the same movement. So right until you apply a class. Until you apply other stuff. So that's all I'm saying. It's a good baseline. Okay. It's a good, like, you know, rule of thumb to, to gauge what their movement ballpark might be. All right. All right. How far away is he now that I've moved? Well, assuming that you moved 30 feet, uh -huh. that would place him 90 feet away. Yeah. Okay, so I didn't know if it was simple arithmetic like that, or if there were like angles and shit involved, and you no, had to I'm be not like make you be that you know, name with all the numbers and stuff, trigonometry and geometry and whatnot yeah. to to we'll keep it simple. Calculate where I ended up by you know figuring out what we'll the hypotenuse nice is between me and him, and yeah, yeah. So the, the, you know the function of my movement over the like. <laughs> okay, yeah, now I'm done. I like to think I'm being personable, but that's cool. Alright. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Who's the dork now? <laughs> he said, ironically. Alright. <laughs> 
you just make an outro that's like auto tuned to my dumb laughs. <laughs> That's what it would sound like. (laughs) They'd be like, yuck, yuck, yuck. Yuck, yuck, yuck. We we could uh, get T-Pain to feature on it. (laughs) Shot eye. That'd be funny. The Rakshasa gets to its feet, brushes itself off, and in a much slower motion than normal, begins to run towards you over difficult terrain and with this kind of stiff slowness to its movements. So it is now, how much does it slow it by? 10 feet. 10 feet? Yeah. Okay. So I'll say that it's 70 feet away, considering all of that. Super cool. Okay. What would you like to do? Um... I am still at plus 50%. So, all right. Now, to apply my debuff. Hmm, actually, let's just, let's play it safe and we'll apply a debuff later. Um, let's go with... <laughs> Let's go with a different debuff. Uh, attack rolls. So let's just see if we can't trip this dude up. Ah, shoot. The range on this is only 30 feet. So that kind of screws up my... Uh... Well, now that he's closer, you could start with another medicine check if you wanted to do that. Yeah, let's go ahead and do that. Let's start off with that because this... Will affect my my choices here. Okay, this one was seventeen. All right, as the rakshasa runs toward you, particularly with its slowed movement, you are able to get a really good look at its condition. And although you haven't hit it with very many spells that are damaging. Uh, The one you hit it with was significant, and it was already in pretty poor shape. Mm -hmm. So you are fairly confident that it is within the range of unhealthiness required for the spell. Okay. Yeah, let's go ahead and hop straight to our debuff of Power Word Pain. Okay. Okay. I think it's power word T pain. <laughs> power word T pain. <laughs> uh, okay. So I speak a word of power that causes waves of intense pain to assail what assail <laughs> assail one creature you can see within range. So I have to move to within sixty feet of this guy. Okay, which you can do. It's seventy feet away, so you only have to move ten feet. Okay. And then speak the power word. And um, it is a DC 18 constitution um, saving throw. Mm. He does not make it. All right. Whew. All right. Um, let me cast it to burn that spell slot. Okay. 
This is pretty cool. It is subject, if the target has 100 hit points or fewer, it is subject to crippling pain. Um, a target is also unaffected if it is immune to being charmed. So that's interesting because if it's like an elf or similar, you know yeah, what I mean? He would not be immune to the effect of the stuff. Luckily for me, because I totally thought about that earlier. Yeah. <laughs> um, so while the target is affected by crippling pain, any speed it has can be no higher than 10 feet. Okay. So I like that. That's significant. Mm -hmm. The target also has disadvantage on attack rolls. Mm -hmm. I mean, he'll probably still hit you because your AC is horrible. Ability checks. And here's the cool part. And saving throws. Okay. Other than constitution. Finally, if the target tries to cast a spell, it must first succeed on a constitution saving throw. Or the casting fails and the spell is wasted. Okay. Good job. And they can try to save with Khan at the end of its turn um, to end the effect all right now you said it's racked by crippling pain mm -hmm. does the crippling pain only have these effects or does it have any damage as well there's no damage okay. it's just a straight up debuff okay understood we're, we're gonna bring the pain with damage in other ways this was you know the the stripping of the the armor and making them very kiteable in my opinion all right and that tells an action right Yes. Okay. All right. Would you like to do anything else? Um, no, I already moved, so no. What's interesting is the duration on this is you listed. You still have movement remaining if you wanted to continue to move. Um, so you moved forward 10 feet. Yeah. Yeah, I'll move, I'll move back the rest of my, uh, my movement, 20 feet. That spell is great and i'm done all right and it gets to do the save at the end of its turn correct yes okay you hear the rakshasa growl and roar in pain um and it kind of claws at its head and at its chest and it seems to be racked with some sort of source of pain that you cannot see but you know is there and it stumbles forward over the rocky terrain, barely making it any closer towards you. It's about 70 feet away. What would you like to do? All right. Um, and normally, you're supposed to start off a little bit more slowly. And I've done a little bit here. I mean, I went all the way to seventh level for power word pain and for scatter at sixth level. Those are probably smart decisions. I, I think so too, but the, it's like that's the only slot I can use to cast those spells is the thing. Right. Like I didn't amplify them. I mean, quote unquote amplify, because that's something different, like technically, right? But uh I think I think we're gonna have to go with um with a uh, fifth level lightning bolt 
on, on this on this on this turn okay um and that is a dex dc 18 save uh yes Okay, so he has disadvantage. Mm -hmm. Well, he would have made it, uh, but he did not make it because of the disadvantage. Awesome. Okay, so this is a stroke of lightning that blasts out from me in a line 100 feet long and 5 feet wide. Mm -hmm. And um, so if they fail, um, they take... Uh, 10d6 lightning damage right? or half as much on successful and this lightning ignites flammable objects in the area that aren't being worn or carried right so and there aren't there isn't much in the way of flammable in here it's mostly rock and debris yeah I mean I thought so so let's get up get back to my uh, white wolf roots two four six Eight. I actually need two more d6s. Thank you. All right. Let's see what the bones have in store for us. Okay. Eight, ten, sixteen, twenty, twenty-four, thirty. 36, 38, 42. Okay. All right. Having the time and distance to properly cast your spell, you are unhurried, unharried. You unleash a stroke of lightning that brightens the cavern to a daylight glow. Hmm. And the Rakshasa barely has time to look up from where it's kind of hunched over its core, like, you know, protecting those internal organs that you do instinctively when you're in pain. Oh, right. Mm -hmm. um, and gets hit full on uh, with that bolt of lightning. And you can smell burning hair, um, and you can see blood start to run down out of its maw. It does not look well. He's having a he's having a bad day. Right. Is there anything else you'd like to do? Hmm. Yes. I think. I think. Um, so, actually, making an intimidation check mm. is um, is an action. Is yeah. that right? Is. Okay. So. I'll taunt him in an intimidate. I'd like to taunt him in an in intimidating fashion, but obviously I'm not actually doing the intimidation thing, you know. Um, so, uh, what would I say to him? Uh, like, kind of hold holding my hand up in a sort of like. Um, fingers contorted kind of um like if you've ever seen the, the side of like a heavy metal van you know 
with with a wizard holding the like brutal orb of nothing mm-hmm. you know in his hand while he glares menacingly with you know lightning and like probably a unicorn behind him and whatever right like like he's making that kind of pose you know and um if there's any wind like blowing back his flowing black locks and any moonlight shining on his beautiful horns that would be rad yeah like there's <laughs> teeth pressed to digitate <laughs> right, so right. breeze and yeah. moonlight yeah to to um yell out at um the the rakshasa deceiver um and uh quit while you're ahead worm and you might make it out of here alive very and very dramatic kind of straightening up and brushing bits of fur and crusty bits of skin even aside from itself he says you should know more than most failure is not tolerated hmm but that's interesting my uh i'm like thinking to myself that uh Yes, that is an interesting position. My uh, patron and I never had such a conversation. I wonder how he would react to failure. Hmm. Mental note. May have to take this up with him later. You don't have a patron. Oh, that's right. I'm a sorcerer, not a warlock. Well, I mean, you do, in a sense, have a patron if you want to think of it that way. (laughs) Not to the same extent. Yeah. Yeah, I'm crossing the streams. I know, right? All right, the Rakshasa struggles and, like, forces his legs forward towards you. What would you like to do? Okay. So I cast Lightning Bolt. And cool. Uh Okay. So I will... uh, I would like to cast Bane with a first level uh, spell slot. Okay. And so for the material component is a drop of blood. The somatic component is curling your hand into a fist so tight that your tiefling claws pierce your skin and procure said drop of blood so that it falls into the air you know, between your other hand with its palm held out and it's kind of suspended there while you say the the verbal part, which is all sorcery and stuff like that. And um, so when you, you cast this spell, they have to uh, make a charisma saving throw. You see 18. Right, well, because of the disadvantage did not roll a 20. Uh, instead, you rolled a failing roll. So, Yeesh. Go ahead. And like to say to him, I'm warning you, it only gets worse from here. Um, so that also means that... Um, so from now on, um, the he loses a d4 from his uh, attack rolls or saving throws in addition to any other stuff okay and so also with that though 
I forgot that the range on Bane is 30 feet, so I would have had to move closer to him okay. to cast that. In all fairness, okay. I missed that part, sorry. Okay. I was too focused on the dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's cast Bane. All right. Cool, and I am done. All right. Creature. Now, only 20 feet away. Looks beyond you. Through the doorway. Says, Oh, Deke, is that you? Come here. Oh, no. That he fails his constitution save, so he cannot cast his spell. Hooray! <laughs> All right. Um, and it is your turn. Okay. Let's see. I mean... Deke's out in the door like, oh, uh, no, no, that, that's fine. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so, I mean, I really hate to be a one-trick pony here but i mean that uh fifth level lightning bolt is just too uh too sexy to ignore That's you fine. know so um when i have one more fifth level slot and i can do other stuff i need with lower level slots so so it's dexterity right it is dex Ooh. You said 18? Yes. Makes it. Okay, with the minus 1d4. Oh, no. Do you want to roll the 1d4? Oh, sure. That's a nice touch. Thank you. Three. Right, he does not make it. All right. So with this one, I'd like to uh, kind of, like, because I was, I was I had my, my arms and hands out in the casting bane sort of thing right so they're kind of out in front of me and then this would be like a like you fling your arms back like that and and you kind of puff your chest out and lean towards him as the lightning sort of lances out from you know over my shoulders and uh i want to yell at him in my like most booming voice that i can muster silence as i cast it Okay. All right. Roll your so hopefully, you know, Deke will listen to me instead of this guy. <laughs> One fell off the table. All right, cool. So that is 6, 10, 11, uh, 16, 20, 24. 30, 31, 32, 35. Rakshasa squints against the incredibly bright light that coalesces from behind you and arcs around your shoulders towards it. And the lightning hits him full in the chest and strikes him 
and he falls backward to the ground and slides about 10 feet. That's always so satisfying when that happens. <laughs> Is there anything else you'd like to do? Um, I think I will move to, um, let's see here. I was within. You're 30 feet away. Yeah. Currently. Right. So I'll, I'll move away from him, I think. Um, maybe uh, over by Deke, I think. If he's targeting Deke, then I'm going to. I'm going to move over by Deke then, even if it's closer to this dude. Okay. To protect my friend and to be nearby so that I can talk to him if necessary. Standing protectively in the doorway, you watch as the Rakshasa very shakily regains his feet. And he says, I will not be silenced and I will not be stopped. I've worked too hard. And once again, he hobbles forward. And it appears he's still affected by your spell. Hmm. You have to give him full marks for persistence. All right, what would you like to do? Um, the first thing I'm going to do is impart some wisdom to my friend here and retort that you know, it's a harsh fact of life that sometimes you can try very hard and do your best and still fail. And with that, I will... Confetti. <laughs> I will cast <laughs> confetti. <laughs> okay. So, let's see. Second level or higher, 1d6 for each level. Ghost sounds a mariachi band. <laughs> okay, so it's 2d6, and then that's so it would be 5d6. Okay, cool. So. <laughs> so, um, I think I would like to cast. Uh, ice knife. Oh, that's fair. This is. Are a... you gonna run up next to him first? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I am not. <laughs> I'm going to remain uh sixty feet or however far You're feet. Fifty feet. <laughs> yes. Apparently. I'd like to remain fifty feet away uh from him, and I need a drop of water in order to cast this. Sure. So whatever the source of the drop of water, be it sweat from my brow or from a small flask or whatever, you know, the, the drop I'd like to think sort of rises from my palm as it coalesces into this you know, badass like ice shard. And then, you know, you're kind of quaking with the, the, the power of the, the spell as you, um, Conjure? Yes, as you conjure. <laughs> that is a conjuration. As you conjure this uh, ice shard, and then you point at your target, and it streaks out to them, and they have to succeed on a dexterity saving throw. Mm. That is a failure. 
absolutely crippling pain <laughs> racking the Rakshasa's body. Curse you, crippling pain! And they take 1d10 piercing damage. <laughs> For one damage. <laughs> but then... <laughs> <laughs> so so he's like <laughs> and they're like haha <laughs> because hit or miss the shard then explodes and the target in each creature within five feet must succeed on a dexterity saving throw or take uh let's see it's 2d6 plus 1d6 for each spell slot above second level mm-hmm. so that should be 5d6 okay or it's two right mm-hmm. starts off at two and then each one above second level right mm-hmm. that's three four five so it's five d6 right yeah uh, okay cool. just making sure just making good. sure okay all right roll ones roll one roll ones roll ones i'm gonna try to roll sixes all right that's four five nine fourteen uh, 16. Oh, wait. 17. Because cold damage. Alright. As the Rakshasa begins to laugh, we can go into some sort of speech about how this is practically refreshing against the hellish fires of the domain that he is from and blah blah blah. <laughs> the ice shard explodes forth from his chest. Oh! spraying the general area with various viscera and bits. Um, Also, you can barely see it from here, but a small spider walking by gets hit by a bit of ice (laughs) and its spouse comes over in the corner. Sorry. I was at its revenge again. Aw, spider bro. And, um, no, but really. The Rakshasa slumps to the ground, blood pouring from this new wound. And for the first time, he looks truly surprised. And then you see that portal that it had been trying to summon, and it flashes with energy. And then the Rakshasa looks truly surprised. He extends his claws, scrabbling at the stone as he starts being pulled back towards the portal. And he says, no, not back there. I've I've worked too hard. And his cries are overtaken with an angry roar from the other plane as he's pulled through to answer for his failure. The portal crackles and fades. The room is silent and dark. Like, kind of, you're, you know, after you're doing all your casting and bravado and stuff like that, and then everything kind of falls silent, like you say, and then, so you sort of deflate, like, after that, like, huh, holy shit, <laughs> like, yeah. oh, man. The comparatively, like, dim light <clears throat> that Deke has with his little lantern shines in the area as he runs over to check on you. Um, sees like these massive lacerations that you have mm-hmm. um, where I mean through the course of this fight you've functionally been ignoring them but you are standing in a puddle of your own blood in this yeah absolutely <laughs> oh my my dear friends let's let's get you out of here 
I can I can show you the fastest way back. Excellent. Um, I mean, I feel like I would, you know, cure some wounds and stuff like that on myself. You absolutely can. <laughs> you know? Uh, so let's do um, cure wounds at fourth level. Okay. Uh, which is going to be 4d8 plus 5. Awesome. So here is my... I only have 3d8 right now, so that'll, that'll work. Alright, so that is, whoops, 9, 15, uh, so that is 20 HPs. That helps, that's a little bit. Yeah, to just maybe stop the bleeding, you right. know, like, make make the, uh, the walk a little easier, you know. As you get out of Kyra's Gate and into the cogs, it's almost like the battle that ensued could be felt by the denizens of this place. Everyone's kind of waiting and quiet, and they watch as you walk through. Even the dask sort of like part to let you pass. And as you reach the surface, Logra is there to meet you. Logra! And she takes you and Deep to be treated for your injuries. Awesome. <laughs> the first two nights after the events, you notice that you have terrible nightmares. Ooh. Um, sometimes they're incoherent, and other times they're full of dark and terrible imagery. Yeah. Um, one of the attending clerics explains that it's um, a function of a curse that you contracted from the claws of the Rakshasa. And it takes several more days after that for it to be exercised from them. During that time, Logra visits. She explains that Deke is facing some consequences, but that they shouldn't be too harsh. Rakshasas are known to be creatures with incredible powers of control and deception, and that's being considered in his sentencing. She lets you know she has had the opportunity, though, to meet with the boss. Oh, the boss. And they're actually talking about working together. Very recently, there have been a string of crimes that are affecting Sharn and the cogs below. It looks like Warforged are being targeted and deactivated. Oh, no. Murdered. No. No. The watch wasn't really allowed to interfere and do much about it until very recently one of the Warforged flying caravan drivers for a wealthy family suddenly deactivated and the carriage plummeted to the lower streets of Sharn. Oh, okay, I see. It's not an issue until rich people are affected. Now all of a sudden it's a big deal. (laughs) And so Logra is now working with the Dask in the cogs to try to get to the bottom of this. She hopes you'll get better soon because it looks like she'll need some help. All right. <laughs> oh man, I was hoping that she would ask for for my help and that I could maybe, I don't know, work with her because, you know, ever since recent events, I'm starting to look at her in a somewhat different light, having almost lost her. We've been friends for so long, but I just don't know what I'd do without you, Logra. And in the corner, 
your hospital room, a vengeful spider weaves away, <laughs> waiting for its chance. <laughs> All right, and that's the end of your little mini adventure in Charn. Man, I gotta say that was pretty awesome. We've had a lot of fun with uh, the fireside stories so far, but this one was like great. And I mean, I don't know what made it different really because I feel like I put a lot of effort into every character, but this one was just like a lot of fun, you know, to inhabit and to play. So that's that's just good to know because you know, of why we're here. Right, right, right. So at this point, I think we can take a minute to wrap up the episode by talking a little bit about our thoughts on the, the book, The Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron, that we used to generate this fireside story. So as a player, obviously you didn't really see anything of the source book. You had access to some of the features during character creation, but you actually didn't make an Eberron-specific race or anything like that with the way that the roles turned out. Right. Um, but what did you think of the setting? Um, how did it feel on the player side? So the setting was fantastic in terms of uh, Sharn, the city that I was in. Um, just the different levels of it and the, the sort of it, it had this kind of citadel sort of feel to it. Like it was just this giant, like, you know, pillar of civilization. And I kind of imagined it with like just this desert spreading out around it. It was almost like a mega city in Judge Dread, you know, because right. it just went straight up and straight down. And it was like inside you have this like fully functioning stratified society. And then outside it's just like, you know, here there be dragons. There's just like nothing. So it was really rich and easy for me to get into uh, in terms of that. And then it also had this just really awesome flavor that you can go like up to Elysium and you can go down to like, you know, uh, Hades, so to speak. And when I went down into the cogs and then even below that, um, it immediately had this really cool industrial sort of um, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome feel. Like on the surface, everything was pretty cool. And then you go underneath with all the pig shit and like methane processing, you know, equipment. And you just imagine these giant like, you know, gears and stuff like that, like turning and, and, and all these hazards and stuff. But among that also all of the you know less fortunate races and stuff like that the children running around like um you know to pickpocket you and and all that kind of stuff was just really immersive and i think that contributed to why it was so enjoyable yeah i think definitely from the dm side first of all I don't think it's really fair that the book is the Wayfinder's Guide to Eberron because it's really like the Sharn Lover's Guide to Sharn. <laughs> like, I think yeah, it's difficult to use the book in its current edition to run an adventure with a lot of detail outside of Sharn proper. Like, it does have sections on the various nations of Eberron, but I don't 
feel like there is enough detail there to really build as immersive as a location as you can in Sharn, like you saw. Yeah, that makes but sense. In Sharn, it gives a ton of tools and it does things I really hope to see in future adventure settings. Um, I loved, so there was something that you ended up dealing with a lot. You noticed most of the time when you were traveling through a new area, especially if you changed levels within the city, I'd have you roll mm-hmm. 2d20. Right. And totally results. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are these tables in the book that are just little things that happen to you as you traverse the streets of Sharn in the different levels. Um, and it was cool because as you rolled them, we were able to kind of tweak them a little bit so they felt like they were part of the adventure or that they were potential hooks for other things going on, like the crying man in the park that you saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's who came to mind right yeah, away. It yeah. wasn't related to the adventure at all, but could have been a hook for something, you know, if you wanted to go talk to him. Mm-hmm. And so it gave a lot of opportunity for things to come up. The watchmen that were running down the street weren't actually looking for you. They were a random encounter, but they gave that feeling of tension when you got to that point and things like that. Right. So I think they did a really good job with like building in all of these little nuanced happenings to keep the city feeling busy mm-hmm. and populated. Right. Um, and there's a ton of detail within Sharn. Um, as an adventure setting, I was a little bit disappointed that there wasn't really a full-fledged intro adventure in it. Um, there are some adventure hooks that they kind of put together, like starting at the university and things like that. Um, but otherwise the main way that they have in the book to start an adventure is they have something called a quick charm story, which is a chapter at the very end, um, or a section at the very end. And you basically roll on a few tables. And it gives you a very basic story outline, which then you have to flesh out yourself. And so that's what I did for this adventure. Um, So I rolled a few dice behind the scenes while you're making your character. Well, you did an excellent job. (laughs) Thanks. Um, And the hook that we got is the PC notices a corpse in an alley, a corpse that looks exactly like the character. Um, So that was the hook that we were running with. The villain was an enigmatic Rakshasa. Plot was that the villain is working to start a war between two factions. The twist is that a former friend or an ally is working with the villain. And the final scene would need to take place in the heart of Kyber's Gate in the Cogs. So those were all of the details I had to put the adventure together. And since I knew we had to have someone you knew working with the villain, that's why during character creation, I had you decide on two people you knew. Um, But that also established yourself within the city and gave you kind of an anchor within that space as well. It's not like you're alone and a stranger in that place because you've been there for a while. Yeah, I I mean, I definitely would have had, you know, at least a couple of friends. But I feel like I had a lot of um, acquaintances and a lot of you maybe friends and then like two really tight friends. So kind of like real life. So that worked out pretty good. (laughs) But yeah, I I really, though, like I have to say it as a storyteller slash DM, um, really fell in love with the random streets tables. Um, even the random spray painted mural that you came across mm-hmm. when you got 
waylaid by those hooligans oh, in the very beginning. The the lady dragging the knocked out dude the lady with the, the aberrant dragon yep. mark and stuff she like was that. Another one of the randos. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean there were a lot of things that just gave it a lot of flavor mm-hmm. and like you really felt the sharpness of it. No, absolutely. I would definitely say my only issue with the book in its current edition is that going outside of Sharn, you don't have that feeling. It's mm. very more, it's much more vague. And so hopefully down the road, they'll expand that out. Cause a lot of people really do like the setting. Um, so it, it does give a lot of potential. But yeah, so I'm looking forward to see what they do with the uh, Magic the Gathering book to see if it's similar or if it has a little bit more adventure crunch in it or how they do it. Yeah, Ravnica should be pretty cool. And I'll tell you what, win, lose, or draw, whatever we end up doing, I definitely want to revisit this either offline or whatever and play like play out in this setting because it's like Sharn Lover's Guard to Sharn. <laughs> But play, I like just make a somewhat higher level paladin and play through this and just play like a Judge Dread flavored <laughs> like adventure here. You know, right. that would be awesome. And just like just just the rush that I would get as a player to be able to like tell this huge crowd in some district or whatever, Muck thy the law. I'm the law. Like would just be so amazing. <laughs> like <laughs> Oh, it would be um, you so should change cool. your character in our next campaign with all of our friends. You have to do that voice the whole time. <laughs> no, I can't. We're already playing a, a drow warlock. Like you can't, you know, you can't go from a fancy lad to to Judge Dread. I I'm the fanciest of lads. I mean, I walk around on tiptoe because I don't have my boots and I don't want to get my feet dirty. I mean, <laughs> like. <laughs> it's it's ridiculous well my lovely friends um as you can tell this is the end of the eberron adventure in our fireside stories which means that we're moving on to our next setting mm-hmm. as we search for the coolest system for our next full-length campaign absolutely i'm really looking forward to the next one i think i think i'm going to re-watch altered carbon in in preparation for this next one so in case that wasn't enough to give it away, or if you haven't heard about it, there is a game called Eclipse Phase um, that takes place in a world um, where if you've seen Altered Carbon or read the book that it's based on, um, it's a post-apocalyptic, transhuman, um, gritty, noir, conspiracy, sometimes horror, depending on the setting. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, space war. Some would say dystopian right. future. Very, yeah. I mean, I wouldn't call it cyberpunk, but in a way it does feel very Blade Runner. So mm-hmm. it does meet a lot of those requirements, like space punk, I guess I would say. Space punk, space opera, dystopian right. future, you know, all if of that. If you want to follow along the second edition is in beta right now. Um, and those free beta rules are what we'll be using to run our mini adventure. Um, and so our next episode for our Patreon backers will be the character creation episode as we kind of get set in the system and put our characters together. 
Um, uh, for those of you who are not Patreon backers, the next episode that you will see will be the character creation episode for Everon because non-patrons get that after the adventure instead of before. I think that's a fair shake. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you everyone for listening. And, you know, as always, rage out, but not in a way that gets you caught. Yeah. And keep killing it. <laughs>